way, and way, and baby, I'm TFC Telanda. Welcome back to the Toronto Till I Die podcast. My name is Michael Say, and it's a special off-season edition of today's podcast. And if you'll notice, it's just your boy, Michael Singh, on here solo right now. Uh, Jeffrey P. Nesker is having some technical difficulties, while Mike Newell is off somewhere celebrating a very well-deserved Canadian Premier League title with Forge, of course, who emerged victorious yesterday against Atletico Ottawa. We'll we'll get into some of that in just a little bit. Um, actually, you know, it's, it's the off season, and usually during this time, there's not that much to talk about. But on today's show, we got a number of different topics. We've kind of gone beyond Toronto FC today, but we will still be getting into some TFC later on. Uh, we got some Canadian Premier League finals that I just mentioned. Uh, we're going to talk some Canadian women's national team. Uh, the men's national team, of course, as they are <laughs> on the brink of starting off this World Cup. It's less than a month away, which sounds just surreal to say. Um, yeah, Richard, we will be talking about some Messi to enter Miami because that obviously <laughs> completely broke headlines this morning and honestly almost broke Twitter on my end. I couldn't believe that when I woke up this morning and saw that report. So we'll chat about that a little bit and, and you know, the likelihood of that happening. Uh, we'll talk some MLS Cup finals. As we know, the MLS Cup finals are set. The Philadelphia Union versus LAFC, uh, a matchup I think really a lot of people had pegged from sort of the, the middle of the season when both of these teams hit their stride. So it, it's very fitting, uh, very fitting, you know, cup final here. And then we'll, uh, as I mentioned, we'll talk some TFC free agency. So uh, yeah, like I said, ton to get to. Uh, we'll start off with the Canadian Premier League finals Forge winning 2-0 at Atletico Ottawa, their third title in four seasons. And honestly, what's, left to say about Bobby Smirnionis's side. He overall um, has gotten that team to, I don't think a place anyone would have predicted at the start of the launch of the Canadian Premier League just a few years back. And now we're talking about Forge reaching four straight finals, three titles now in the last four years. They obviously went on that run in the CONCACAF League. I mean, this is a team that, in every meaning of the word, they're a dynasty. Forge FC are a dynasty, and I have to wonder, like, what's next for this team? Like, what's what's there left to really accomplish? And the biggest thing is the CONCACAF, right? The CONCACAF Champions League now, with the Canadian Premier League now securing a couple bursts into that competition. Let's see what's going to happen with this uh, with this Canadian Premier League and. I guess, how much they're going to grow. Yeah, Richard, I, I see you saying there in the chat, the CPL can't show the game over air on a network like CBC, Sportsnet, or TSN. Yeah, I guess with, with one soccer owning the rights, I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully, I, I agree with you. I think we need to get that game on a more mainstream platform. 
and we'll see uh, maybe if that happened in the future, but I'm with you there. Okay, so yeah, like I said, Forge is a dynasty. There's not much left to say about this team. I'm just wondering now at this point what's next, and maybe what's next for a guy like Bobby Smirnionis. Uh We know in the past how much, with, with the roots that he has in place here in Ontario, specifically Southern Ontario, uh, his ties to Sigma, and of course what now he's, what he's accomplished with Forge, the ties to Toronto FC just seem to never go away with Bobby Smirnionis. And obviously now that Bob Bradley is at the helm here with Toronto FC, that place is secure. That That's not going to change. But could Bobby Smirnionis be linked back to Toronto FC if for whatever reason the start of the year doesn't go to plan for TFC? Will those talks start to heat back up? Will those rumors start to heat back up? Because Smirnionis right now, you got to think he has to be some sort of coveted commodity. And he's, aside from an international cup or an international tournament title, he is a, he's accomplished everything that he could accomplish with Forge, right? So what's next for him? And considering that he is in TFC's own backyard, well, we hope the best for Bobby. You would also hate from a TFC perspective if he goes elsewhere and he, he succeeds and TFC could be like, dang, they're missing out. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that story as the year progresses. Um, again, Bob's job is safe. Uh, if TFC play well, no one really cares what happens with Bobby. But if not, then you have to start, you know, thinking about it and thinking about it. Um I would just want to give a quick shout out also to the crowd at Atletico Ottawa. I think the atmosphere uh, just coming through the television screen. I wasn't there in person, but obviously a lot of former Wake and the Rad staff and and a lot of uh, people that I know that were at the stadium all said good things, and you could see it coming through the TV as well. So, uh, great testament for the league. Now, what in its fourth year, and we're pulling crowds like fifteen, sixteen k. Um, I think that was uh, it was a special final for a lot of different reasons. So. Yeah, shout out to Atletico Ottawa, even though they fell short, but uh, Forge was victorious. Um, All right, cool. Just on the rundown here, um, I'm just trying to pull up what I have next, where I want to go to. Right, from the Canadian Premier League to NWSL, I got to give a quick shout out to Christine Sinclair, Janine Becky, Rianne Wilkinson, who's the head coach, and Creed LeBlanc for winning the NWSL championship, defeating Desiree Scott's Kansas City Current 2-0. Uh, if anyone saw that picture of Christine Sinclair floating around social media, come on. Just absolutely just legendary um, photo. And listen, like Bobby at this point, what's there left to be said about Christine Sinclair? What she's able to do, still do, and produce and play a role for this, not only Portland, but also now for the Canadian women's national team moving forward is is surreal at her age. Um, but everyone already knows that. I don't need to ramble on about how great Christine Sinclair is, but I thought it was just, uh, just another accolade you got to mention uh, for what she's been able to sort of accomplish here overall. Um, so Canadian women's national team roster obviously dropped today a pair of friendlies coming up against Brazil. I believe one on the 11th and one on the 15th in Sao Paulo, which is a great test for the women's national team as they prepare obviously for the world cup. 
Now, an interesting tidbit that I saw, it's just looking at the roster, you'll you'll recognize there's a couple names on there you probably haven't seen before. And an interesting tidbit that I saw was Bev Priestman. Since she took over as coach, 50 players have been called into the women's senior team. And I got to thinking, like, is is that a good good thing? Or is that or would you rather more consistency? I have I've gone back and forth with this because I can see both sides. On the one hand, you're getting more and more experience. You're getting depth to you're adding depth to just your overall pool of players. And a lot of these young players, they're gonna benefit from just participating in camps and just being around people like Christine Sinclair and being in the environment of a national team camp. But on the other hand, would you not like to build up reps with the same, or at least close to the same 11? Obviously you can't do that because of you know certain injuries and just certain cases that arise. That's inevitable for any national team program. But you, I wonder if 50 is a little bit excessive um, in terms of the, the players that she's calling up. But on the other hand, like I said, I keep going back and forth. I like the fact she also is rewarding a lot of players for what she's been able to accomplish. And I see in the wings here, we got our guy, Jeffrey P. Nesker, who has... <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Welcome to the Amazing. show. Amazing. Dude, that was uh that was a white knuckle ride there for a second. I thought my whole brand new awesome computer had died and it really made me sad. But uh no, it was just the internet. So uh what did I miss, Mikey? Can't can't leave you to do this all by yourself. No, I'm just happy that people now don't have just have to listen to me rambling on and on. So <laughs> happy to have you in. We we're just Indeed. talking about the women's national team. I uh, gave a quick shout uh, out to Portland for their NWSL championship. Um, yep, so yep. Wilkinson and Karina LeBlanc, the GM and head coach there, and then Janine and, and Christine for for their title, beating Desiree Scott. I know you had some thoughts mm-hmm. on, the, on the on the game itself. Just quickly, what were they? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, it was a game of mistakes, obviously. Uh, Sophia Smith, uh, you know, with that that early uh, capitalization, and then uh, uh, the own goal to make it uh, to make it two for the Thorns. I thought. Uh, they really took advantage of the mistakes of uh, of the current and uh, and uh, L- Leslie won themselves a championship. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think it was overall well deserved, and we got to get a team to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get a team to Toronto because Portland was like the Canadian team that people you know, affiliate yeah, themselves yeah. with because there was so much red and white that bled through that system. Um, sure thing. So sure that thing. was, that was a team that a lot of Canadians were training for, but we need our own team, whether it's in Toronto, whether it's in Vancouver, what, wherever it is, we need a, a team in our own backyard that we can root for. And, you know, I was at work today and, and one of the basketball guys was telling me that they caught the NW, NWSL final. And they were mm-hmm. saying, Man, the, the WNBA has to watch out because that league, <laughs> that final was a lot of fun to watch and they were a really big fan of it. So I think that's a testament to sort of the level of play there, but we got to get, we got to do better. Yeah, an interesting choice of words when you say caught, considering that this wasn't something you would have found 
if you were, you know, just aimlessly looking around, like you had to log into Twitch, you really had to know what you were doing to catch this game. Um, and then the other interesting point that I would raise with uh, with the Thorns is, yeah, they're, they're Canada's team, but uh, you try getting an NWSL jersey from the Thorns or otherwise uh, to Toronto without getting absolutely stopped by the exchange rate and shipping charges. So, yeah, I mean, I can understand the trepidation with NWSL. We're a bit divided. Uh, people want a CPL Women's League, uh, which comes with its own round of problems, most especially the the financing angle. And then with NWSL, obviously, without getting too heavy into it, this league's been plagued with controversy over controversy over controversy. Mm-hmm. So not an easy sell when you're talking about potential owners wanting to tie their wagon to a league that's consistently uh, finding itself the subject of, a, of, of controversy and, and bad vibes. I don't really know this solution. I mean, you know, there, name, name me a soccer league that doesn't have its share of controversy and bad vibes. I think in, in yeah. such cases, the expectation for perfection is a bit too high. Um, the cost of entry in 10 WCL isn't that prohibitive. And, and, you know, all things being equal, I've always been on the side of why don't we pull an MLS and have the three major Toronto, mar- the three major Canadian markets get into the NWSL warts and all. But I can see why there would be an issue with with somebody holding the purse strings. So I, you know, I agree with you, but I, I'm not quite sure I know what the answer is on that tip. Well, I, I do have some insight from from a Toronto FC, MLSC perspective. Always do. And, and I, I do know go. that they, they are interested and they have had discussions about bringing an NWSL franchise to Toronto. Um, but what mm-hmm. I will add, is it's not imminent from at least Toronto FC and MLSC's yeah. standpoint, right? And I think maybe part of that reason is because of what's happening with the league. Um, where is this? What is this league going to look like in two years? Is there going to be another option mm-hmm. in two years? But I know those discussions are ongoing, and there is interest from from their standpoint, which, you know, is great to hear because obviously we're very far behind on that from that perspective. 100%. Here, here's a question for you. I know that when the MLSC wanted to hitch their wagon to the CPL, the CPL would not let a team such as TFC2 or anything branded with the TFC branding in the doors. Um, right. Would NWSL be more okay with a Toronto FC women's or a Toronto FC W or whatever the case may be? Or would they insist on like a Portland Thorns, Portland Timbers kind of situation? Yeah, it, it might be like that. Uh, I'm not honestly too sure. That okay. being said, I don't think it's much of an issue. Like you said, Portland Thorns, Portland Timbers, we know we're yeah, owned by yeah. the same ownership group. Um, I, th- I think if that's that's not a make or break for... Uh, the league, I just don't no, know. I, I don't think so like either. A, that's a sticking point. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, let's uh, let's move on here. So I talked briefly about the Canadian Premier League final. Uh, just quickly, but just going to backtrack a little bit, Jeff. Anything you mm-hmm. want to add uh, about the final itself? Uh, congratulations, Forge. Uh, a well-deserved win. Uh, you beat Ottawa in their own house. Uh, you dominated the game. Uh, for most stretches, there was a there was a brief interval at the end of this first half where Ottawa looked really really threatening. But then, of course, the halftime whistle ran and they uh, they went back to the lockers and they came out pretty flat footed uh, against Forge in the second half. Um, my biggest takeaway: it was very very nice to see TD place uh, that full. Yeah, um, that's what I kudos, said. Kudos kudos 
to the marketing people in Ottawa that have been doing a great job all season with theme nights and that sort of thing. Kudos to what's going on behind the scenes with the Ottawa SGs. I know there's a lot of them, so I'm not going to mention them all by name, but certainly they're they're bringing the heat there. Um, you know, you can see why the CPL wanted the Ottawa Fury as one of the founding teams. Uh, not not the least of which for 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 that continuity, but it, you know we've been hearing that Ottawa will come out for a winning team, and we and we saw it writ large. Uh, there's over a market, the weekend. so there's yeah, there's definitely a market there. And one of the things I don't think we talk about enough, and we sort of just gloss over at this point, is how huge of a coup it was for the league to get mm-hmm. Atletico to buy into the Canadian Premier League, like Atletico Madrid how they own yes. Atletico Ottawa. I think that's mm-hmm. so massive. And I know that other teams overseas are interested in doing the same here in the Canadian Premier League. And I think just having well, I mean, guys yeah. that we've seen with Ottawa is, it's massive. City Football Group, come on, let's go, let's go. Uh, <laughs> let's go. No, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not unique in the football world. Uh, and certainly it puts us, you know, to use the city football group examples, it puts us on that kind of pedestal. And I do, I do believe this isn't the first uh, time Atletico Madrid or Atletico Madrid have have ventured out into ownership in other leagues. It provides a great pipeline for them um, and a chance to get their players because they, you know, as a as a club in a big top five tier league, they have a lot of guys that are fighting for minutes, even though they play domestic cups and their domestic season and on occasion in Europe. So it's just another outlet for their prospects to get more playing minutes and they get to develop coaches in their system uh, with real first team minutes, such as Carlos Gonzalez. And, and, you know, he won coach of the year in the CPL. And trust me, that award is going on his mantelpiece with whatever other awards he hopefully wins for himself as his career progresses. Uh, it's an important stepping stone and, and it does, it does provide more eyeballs on the league. So yeah, we're very, very lucky to have them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if they're interested in a second team, there's a, there's a struggling franchise in Edmonton that could probably use some, some influx of money. <laughs> so maybe they can, they can go around La Liga and, and see if they can get another team to, to bite uh, and, and come to the CPL. Well, uh, Jeff, speaking of Edmonton, uh, we got some Canadian men's national team talk now to dive into. And Mm -hmm. the Canadian men's Uh national team roster for their MLS camp drops on Wednesday, as we know. And we'll be talking to to John Herdman on Wednesday. And, of course, this roster will be for a friendly, Mm -hmm. upcoming friendly against Bahrain in Bahrain. Uh, on November the 11th, I believe it is, just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. It was announced not that long ago that they would have this camp. What sort of things are you looking for from this camp? I imagine it's going to be a fairly MLS-heavy camp, as yes. MLS players are now out of season, and the international players are trying to get uh, uh, the last little last little bit of play in before the the World Cup break, which of course is is throwing everything out of whack. Because if the pandemic wasn't bad enough, then we go straight to having a World Cup in the winter. So it's just fix your congestion upon fix your congestion. What am I hoping to see? Uh, I'm hoping to see some of the fringe players make a case for their inclusion into guitar. We know we now have a hole in defense as Scott Kennedy is going to miss the tournament. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that that place wasn't going to be taken by a European, but there is a spot for 
uh, fringe guys to to sort of make a claim for their inclusion in the squad, like uh, Daniel Henry or Joel Waterman. Yeah, that was that was the first. Those are the first two names I was thinking of, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine but again, both of those you know, guys we, will will be at that camp. Yeah. So do I. So do I. I mean, we were saying that Daniel is probably getting his ticket based on on on. He'll probably be there regardless. Done. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is this is a case for Joel Waterman. Um, and again, it's an opponent that isn't CONCACAF. So it's another test as, you know, this World Cup very quickly approaches. I can't believe how soon it's coming. It's craziness. Um, you know, <laughs> in a climate, so, so yeah, way, like that's, that's right by Qatar, right? So in a really yeah, similar Yeah, exactly. Climate. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, uh, you know... We lamented the lack of tune-up games when when the S hit the F uh, with regards to the uh, scheduled games against Iran, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're sort of clawing back some some tune-up games, um, and I would I would be willing to make the argument that these are because of where they are in the calendar leading up to the World Cup more important because there's you know there's an, there's not enough time for you to forget lessons learned or, or, or knocks taken in, in this, in these last two tune-up games. So it's going to be really important for everybody. And, and I, and I think, um, you know, especially considering the malaise and the sort of behind the scene shenanigans that's going on with, with can sock, you know, mm-hmm. getting on the field and kicking a ball in anger, as opposed to, you know, getting on the, <laughs> the, the field of the court of public opinion or whatever the hell is going on right now. Um, is is important to this team doubly so 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 no you can't ignore that we've been trying but you can't and 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 the more we try to ignore it the more it seems to fester and and into a you know i i don't like talking about this but the you know one thing that i've noticed is that it's starting to fester into an us versus them kind of binary argument you know how much i hate binary arguments the world is far more far too complex to be uh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, thrown into into a this versus this or a this good that bad kind of situation, and if left to their own devices, I think people and again we do this all the time because it's an easier narrative. But I think when left to their own devices, people are too quick to fall into that trap of the us versus them. It's a very complicated issue, and a lot of things are being manifest right now. And and I just I just think that that the best thing that we can do right now is get out there and and kick a ball in anger. Uh, and thankfully that's what we're doing. Um, and, and give the team and the players on the team, different things to stress about, you know, give the MLS guys an opportunity to assert themselves and then get, get, you know, get, get their minds in order, their minds and bodies in order for, for what's going to be a, a, an exceptional event. And it gives the coaching staff an opportunity to start banding around what's actually going to happen and proper concrete game plans towards Qatar, which I, which I think is also doubly important trying to tune out the noise otherwise yeah well you saw them sort of start to turn the page uh during the last window the september window Mm -hmm. uh all the players and and coaches were saying all the right things about where their focus is and you have to imagine that once they kick a ball uh perhaps against japan that it'll all be put uh on the periphery and i hope so and all the discussion will be talking about football but speaking of of sort of Mm -hmm. the football aspect of this. Bob Bradley went on a little bit of, uh, I wouldn't call it a rant, but just like a little bit of a sidebar. uh, Let's go. End of season press conference. Uh, This is still a men's national team relative, but 
he essentially said when he was coaching at the World Cup with the U.S. And one of the things that really helped them prepare for that tournament was the lead up to that tournament and how Mm -hmm. they ended up playing Argentina. They ended up playing Brazil. They're playing games in Europe, but they had a lot of friendly matches leading up to the start of the tournament, which helped them prepare for, for teams like England and just a lot of different scenarios that were, were going to arise at the tournament. So my question to you is, do you think Canada has played enough, competitive matches meaningful fixtures in the lead up to the world cup this was a summer tournament and covid didn't exist my answer would be a resounding no but taking into account fixture congestion taking into account this tournament is happening in november taking into account all the shenanigans and the and the faff uh i think this is this is as good as we could have hoped for and i also think that i need to raise the point that you know there are a whole new set of variables that are coming into play as a result of the scheduling of this World Cup in November. So you're going to have weirdo injuries because guys are going to be tired or they're going to be out of form in their domestic season. Exactly. Almost De Bruyne. I mean, damn it. But, you know, almost De Bruyne. (laughs) Uh, uh, Listen, you know, we're going to see uh, it take its toll on, on, on form, both good and bad. And it's going to manifest in some weirdo ways. So, I mean, to me, you know, are three more tune-up games worth Fonzie playing regular minutes at Bayern in a title race right now and getting all kinds of minutes as they push to reassert themselves in the Bundesliga? I don't know. Um, you know, is is two camps worth, oh, over, worth over and above Jonathan David getting regular minutes at Lille? you know, and having himself a field day for most games. I don't know. Um, You know, again, I'd be willing to hear an argument from both sides. Certainly they're not playing the Canada style. So there is that difficult adjustment from what they're being asked to do with their club teams versus, you know, what they're, what they're being tasked to do for Canada, but they are for lack of better word in fighting shape. Um, and that brings with it its whole uh, another whole set of variables, right? So it's going to be well, interesting, but I don't think you can quantify it with with in terms of historical precedent. I think it's a fair question to ask, but there's just so much g- different kind of coming into this World Cup um, that it it throws a lot of it throws a lot of those uh, 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 former metrics completely out of whack. Yeah, here's my concern: is Canada have yet to play a team? like Belgium or Croatia. And that's no disrespect mm-hmm. to Uruguay, who no, are a very not. good team, but they're not Belgium and they're not Croatia. And we mm-hmm. saw what this team looked like in the first 20 minutes against Uruguay before they finally settled into that match. So I'm concerned that this team doesn't know what it's exactly it's going up against and how I would agree with you. I would agree with you, but I mean, I mean, not to segue into what we'll talk about later with the MLS Cup playoffs, but you look at the precedent of Austin's regular season against LAFC, and the expectation was is that they weren't going to drop dead like you know, scare like like they weren't going to look as bad as they did uh, at the weekend. Um, So you know, we could have played Belgium a hundred times versus zero times, and the result. With the, under the big lights might be enti- might be entirely the same. It might be entirely different. You know, I there there's merit to what you're saying, um, but considering that 
I mean, how many times have we read that, you know, Canada's game plan should be surprising these teams? Well, you can't surprise a team if they faced you before. You know what I mean? So it is a it is a double edged sword, right? I think we've we need to look at our boys and you know what their what their skill sets are in the transition game and stuff like that. And so for every for every mention of well, you know, we don't know what we're up against that midfield battle. You know, we've not we've never faced a team that that you know is it fires on all cylinders to the degree of Belgium when they're when they're really flying. Well, Belgium's never had to face you know the multi pronged attack that Canada has at, on our best day. So, so uh, I think there is an debatable. advantage. I think I, I, again, have better attacks than Canada. That Belgium sure, sure, sure. But, but they have, but, but I mean, we're talking specifically about Belgium and, and the way that they work. And now I'm, I'm flipping it to Canada and the way that, that we work now, you know, I, I do think full. that I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just think that, that the, the, pers- the negativity perspective where we're like, you know, because the, my, my second question is, well, how, you know, what is proper, right? Like, even w- if you eliminate all the all the variables, even if you eliminate, uh, you know, the fixture congestion, COVID, November, all the stuff that I've been talking about for the last 10, 20 minutes, right? Like, um, what what's the magic number for you? Like, what would make you stop asking that question? Has Is Canada tuned up enough? You know, and is it well, realistic? Think- is there any way in any season that we'd be happy because of the nature of international camps and versus domestic seasons and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know if there's any sort of magic number, um, but I would mm-hmm. love to have seen them at least get one game in where they're playing a, a, an opponent that's like that. Obviously it's not, it's easier said than done because these mm-hmm. opponents have to agree to face Canada uh, wherever the location was. And then obviously the June window was just a complete write off. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. money is also involved in a lot of these things. So, yeah, I'm, in a perfect world, I would love to see them get two games in against a top flight opponent just to prepare themselves. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But maybe there is some of that youthful ignorance that you're kind of referring to that'll yeah, play to Canada's yeah. I mean, strength, Nathan, right? or or play into our weakness. I mean, what if we had played Belgium in the run up before we knew we were in their group and they cleaned our clocks? You know, the, the knock-on effect of that, finding out that we have to face them again uh, after they, they judiciously mopped the floor with us might have might have had a, an effect uh, much different than this sort of trepidation about facing them. Nathan really sells it quite eloquently in the chat. He says, the reality is we won't be able for something, we won't be ready for something we haven't done in 36 years. I don't think there's a, there's a better, more simplistic way to express it than that. This is, this is new territory for the Canadian men's national team. Uh, And, you know, as long as we don't get ahead of ourselves, I don't think you or I are expecting us to win the world cup. As long as, you know, we, we maintain sort of the, 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 the less lofty expectations of what the group is going to do in this tournament, which is stake a claim for themselves in, in 2026, score a goal, definitely possibly come away with a win or a result. And then we're good. I don't think we're going to get disappointed here. Um, you know, and and for me, the other goal of this World Cup is getting some of these players big money moves to bigger clubs and bigger leagues off the back of strong performances in this tournament, which I think we can do whether or not we we do uh, uh, end up losing to Belgium and, and Croatia, which which is a significantly good chance of happening. I'll tell you something. John Herman would absolutely love that. Uh, because he mm-hmm. does not love his players playing in Major League Soccer. 
because he thinks they can play mm-hmm. in better leagues, which you know I tend to agree with on on a lot of these cases. But one interesting, uh, we'll have a lot of time to dive into this men's national team. But one thing I want to bring up, we sure will. I think it is it is relevant right now is Kyle Laren who at mm-hmm. Club Bruges, he's not getting minutes. He's not yeah. getting playing yeah. time. Does he still start for Canada, in your opinion? Against Belgium in game one, does he start for Canada? Hmm, that's a toughie. Who would you, I mean, I'm going to turn around on you. Who gets his spot? Well, I personally believe, based off what we learned against Uruguay, that this team is better off congesting the midfield sure and playing more bodies in the midfield so on that note i'd probably throw in a guy like junior hoylet into the middle of the park never gonna argue for the inclusion of my man junior hoylet so uh, (laughs) i agree with you (laughs) just to you know give canada that extra body because we know they're not gonna be playing with the ball up top it's just that's the sobering reality of playing a team like Belgium is you're going to concede possession. It's a midfield battle. Oh, of course, of course. Like I think that's not a bad shout, Mike. I I think that's not a bad shout. I mean, but at the same time, Jeff, there's, there's the Mm -hmm. other side of it. When Kyle Laren plays for Canada, he's insane. Like Mm -hmm. there's something different. It's like, there's a couple of guys on this team that when they play for Canada, like Richie Larea, no matter how many minutes he gets. Yeah. Well done. Just said that. That's a way to, no, perfect. He finds a way to turn mm-hmm. up for Canada, right? Yep. Kyle Laren, I'd throw into that same boat. But I think just from a tactical perspective, like forget the fact he's not in form. From a tactical perspective, I wonder if it makes more sense to, if you're going to drop a forward, obviously he's going to be the one to, to drop. Game, yeah, I, I think it makes perfect tactical sense aside from my my unholy love of Junior Hoylet. But like, yeah, I, I I do think it's a good shout. Maybe maybe start that way and then see what happens. And and if, but but again, you know, do you want to encourage that midfield battle, or do you set yourself up to play as a bunker and counter team? If so, you want all the forwards you can get on the field for those long balls and transition opportunities. And and if that's the way, if that's the only way you have a, a snowball's chance in hell of beating Belgium, then trying to meet them on their own terms is a fool's errand. So I would off I would honestly suggest you go in guns blazing, see what happens for the first 15 20 minutes, maybe even the first half and then make your adjustments as necessary and hope that you're not chasing the game, you know, chasing a 3-4 goal deficit. Yeah. There's also the reality that both Jonathan David and Kyle mm-hmm. Laren play better when one another is on the pitch. You know, it wasn't the case for a little yeah. bit through qualifying, but I think bigger sample size those both of those guys play better when they're not the sole number nine uh both jonathan david with leal he likes to play off his mm-hmm. number nine and and then kyle laren of course he plays way better when when jonathan david's on the pitch so there is that aspect of things too but i think it's just an interesting yeah. situation to keep an eye on as as sort of we get closer to the world cup because we know well, I, how important he yeah. is to the team i i just think the more we embrace what the identity of this team, which is a pacey counter-attacking team, and the less we try and galaxy brain our game plans, I think that's you know, gun you go in guns blazing and you hope for the best result and you and you adjust tactically as you go, especially in that first game. You know, your first kick issue, of the can. Yeah. The issue no, is I the hear you, Mike. I hear you. Way bigger guns and way more <laughs> artillery. That if you Listen, go for I, a gunfight, I, I hear you. 
I hear you, but but if you go for a staring contest, such as what you're suggesting, like stalking the midfield and trying to control that midfield battle, mm-hmm. you may end still up playing off the counter in, with Fonzie, Tayshawn, yeah. and Jonathan David, which isn't a bad. It's just three. It it isn't. It isn't. I just I just wonder if the move is is forever embracing what we are, warts and all, and then just yeah. and and hoping that that stick with what you know kinda that how. Stick with what kind of got you here. Stick with the hot hands. Um, yeah. Nathan's asking for for any kind of uh, illumination on the Laren situation. Uh, he didn't he start off well? What went wrong for him? Uh, you wanna you wanna handle that one? Well, yeah, I wouldn't say he really started off uh, too too well. Um, it fell out of form with the manager. I guess is the best way to to sort of put this. Um, Kyle yeah. Laren's a strong believer that if he's on the pitch, he's going to produce. I remember he told Matthew Shinetti that because Bruges wasn't playing him and I forget who it is on their team, but they've stepped up and they've done better than what Mm -hmm. Kyle Laren Mm -hmm. uh, is doing right now. So honestly, I think I don't know if this was the right move for, for Kyle Laren to go to club Mm Bruges. I know we're just a couple months into his transfer, but I do believe that there probably would have been better fits for him. Uh, if he went elsewhere. Yeah, I, I remember you saying that when the move was announced. Well, I mean, the, the Jupiler Pro League is notorious for competition at all positions, right? That's why excelling there is is so special. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? Maybe he had a better situation at his former club. Uh, and he didn't recognize that until he moved on. And now it's, you know, it's, it's another Richie kind of situation where he's, he has to, uh, reset, uh, reset his situation for himself. But I, I do agree with you. I don't think he's as out of form as, as his recent, uh, recent, uh, spell at Bruges would suggest. I think, uh, I think he'll be fine come the world cup. He's just that kind of player when he gets the bit between his teeth, he'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, okay, now let's uh, just quickly, just, you mentioned it before, but let's tee up what should be a very, I think a very exciting cup final. Um, number one seed, yeah. number one seed. Not something yeah, first time it's happened in MLS since 2003. I did my research exactly. on that one. Yeah, so yeah, Philadelphia yeah. against LAFC. As I mentioned off the bat, off the top of the show, uh, these were two teams I think many people had touted to reach the final sort of midway through the year. Um, Mm -hmm. Philadelphia put up one of the best seasons in league history, yet LAFC were the ones to emerge victorious with the Supporters' Shield. Of course, we Mm -hmm. haven't seen a Supporters' Shield winner go on to win the MLS Cup since. I can't remember. Who was it? It seemed it sounds familiar. Like when did that happen? Twenty seventeen, I believe. Yeah, us. Oh yeah, us. Something yeah, like yeah, that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll see what happens with LAFC. What's interesting though, Jeff, is LAFC had a lot of these big name summer signings in terms of mm-hmm. Christian Teo and Gareth Bale and Chiellini. Mm-hmm. Yet none of these guys, aside from Chiellini. Really like the first is playing half, a, yeah. Playing a playing yeah. a role right now for LEFC. I just wanted to get mm-hmm. your thoughts on on the situation there in terms of the fact Gareth Bale isn't getting minutes. I know he is a an injury, quote unquote injury, but he was available off the bench. Um and I think something to keep in mind here is the World Cup is three weeks away. So is it something that well yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, I 
he came to LAFC on a sweetheart deal to get playing time ahead of the World Cup. Um, so it was it really hasn't worked out for him. Um, you know, both of these moves remind me of like old school MLS moves like Chiellini coming in. I mean, how old is he? 3000 years old, right? Like he obviously they're not in a World Cup, but that reeked of like old school MLS as retirement league kind of move. I mean, the, the yeah. guy's ancient now and, and I obviously he, he can still play at a certain clip, but he wasn't cutting it anymore. So this is his like, uh, you know, this is his victory lap sort of thing. Um, so all's well, you know, he played 30 minutes of the conference final for, for a 30 million year old uh, defender, regardless of pedigree. I think that that's a fair shout. So I'm not too upset about that. Uh, the bail move. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's almost akin to the Laren move, right? Like you, like you didn't, it seems like um, part of the calculus was, was, was messed up because whether he came in with a knock or whether he just simply got played out of the squad, uh, uh, he just can't find a place there. I mean, signing a, a team, team that already has him. Well, right? exactly. That, I mean, you, you watch yeah. it, you, you watch him and, and Vela on the field together and they get in each other's way um, yeah. often. And, uh, you know, you're not, unfortunately, as good as Bale is, he doesn't have the pedigree of Carlos Vela in this league. And uh, he found himself wanting. Um, so, yeah, I James, mean. Hmm? James Sharman and I talked about this earlier today at, at work, and he mentioned how Bale was essentially a luxury signing. Same with Chiellini. Yeah. Like LAFC yeah. were in first before they had, they, they were fine. came in. And now the fact mm-hmm. that they're not playing and just coincidentally they're kind of because they sort of limped in a way limped into the postseason, but now they're mm-hmm, back mm-hmm. to playing some of their best football and just coincidentally it's without two of these guys. So I think that's just a testament to the fact that a where both of these guys are in their career, um, especially I think it's very alarming for Gareth Bale who is supposed to play that role yet again for Wales where he's supposed to be the hero and and save mm-hmm. his team. And yeah. bring them on a run to the World Cup. Well, guess what? I think U.S. men's national team fans who watch Gareth Bale this season are not yeah, worried about. They're not afraid. No, right? No, they're not no. afraid. Exactly. <clears throat> so maybe that backfired a little bit for him. But shout out to LFC. I, I mean, did it? Did it backfire? He was on the fringes of Real Madrid for how how long of his time there? I mean, what was the expectation that that he would just uh, well, run? roughshod through mls i you know you know he's no he's i was got just such I, a, yeah that was just a bit tongue-in-cheek because they're in the u.s's group at the world cup yeah no so i know i know there aren't they the first game yeah 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 so backfired for wales in a way for gareth bale in a way because now he lost that allure effect of okay what's gonna happen when gareth bale picks up the ball we gotta give him you know some space we gotta respect his ability mm-hmm. now yeah man you're right up on gareth bale don't give him any space yeah you can't yeah, physically no, overpower you anymore, right? So not anymore. I think not in anymore, that way, yeah. I think it it backfired a little bit. But yeah, you're right. He was not a player who was going to go make an impact at a, a European team. I mean, we saw that spell at Tottenham, right? When mm-hmm. he moved from Real Madrid to Tottenham, he was not the same player. Yep. But yeah, um, exactly. I guess we'll see. the The MLS Cup final goes down November fifth. My pick is the Union. I picked up from the start of the really? MLS Cup playoffs. Really. Um, yeah, hmm. I mean, they've been so dominant. They've been the best defensive they really team have. this year, right? And they've been the best defensive team, and, and offensive, offensively, they haven't been a slouch either. They've been, they've been great. Exactly. Um, 
you know, though, I, I don't know if Bedoya is coming back. He, he looked pretty, uh, he looked pretty yeah. pain there. So that's a, that's a rather huge hole in their, in their, uh, in their squad. Um, I don't know. I just think uh, LAFC might be the team of destiny this year. Uh, we'll see. Considering cause... they have yet to win an MLS cup and they've, they've, they've won a lot of awards and, and plaudits on the way. Uh, I think it may be their time. That and being said, home. and they're at home, and and that can't be undervalued. It really can't. I mean, you you look at the two games two at, at the weekend. Yeah, you look at the games at the weekend, and, and in both cases, home field advantage really really played a part of it. So you you, you can't ignore that. Uh, I I mean, look at Philly though. Uh, you know, to to just what was that spell in their in their game at the weekend? They scored two goals or three goals in like eleven minutes or something like that. They can three goals, they yeah. can hurt you. They can really but hurt you when you take your foot off is, the gas. So it is worth mentioning mm-hmm. that was at Subaru Park, where mm-hmm. Philadelphia Union were the only team in MLS this year that did not lose a game at home. They've actually won eleven straight games. But then when wow. you look at their record away from home, they're seven five and five, which is mm-hmm. uh, you know for an MLS team that's actually pretty good to be above five hundred yeah. on the road is is pretty uh, pretty, pretty mag- magical. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty good accomplishment, but they're not LAFC, where LAFC are now 13-2-2 two two, uh, at home. Damn. So now they're going to have to Damn. do that at Bank of California. I think they'll enter the game as pretty pretty decent underdogs, but I have a feeling that Jim Curtin has something up his sleeve, and with the way that hmm. some of these youngsters have been able to plug and play, like Jack McGlynn went in and did a yeah, yeah, yeah. job in that game. Um, sure as hell did. It, I, th- I think they'll find a way to get this done. I think defense, again, it's cliche, but defense wins championships. And the way it that sure does. Wagner sure does. And, and Klesnes and, and Elliot are all playing there at the back, um, I think Vela will have some trouble breaking them down. So uh, it'll be, it's mm-hmm. honestly like, this has to be one of the best finals uh, we've seen probably since 2017, since TFC Sounders. Like this one should be yeah. uh, quite the cracker. So we'll see Jeff who prediction who you got i'm gonna go lafc just just to be contrary and, and then we'll see which one of us uh pick the winner uh, i just i just think lafc is the team of destiny this year and and they're they're gonna find a way but uh can't look past you can't you can't not respect this philadelphia union side and uh they're coming into it with some fire having having won i'm remiss to call it a revenge game uh, uh but uh you know, we all remember last season when they went out to NYCFC missing every player and half their uniforms and their kit guy and, and water bottles. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think I, it's going to it's going to be a fun MLS Cup. You know, every every year that TFC is not in the playoffs, I'm always like, am I going to bother this season? And I always do. I inevitably yeah. do. It's it's the league that we follow. You know, we we get to see these players on the regular, um, you know, it's and, and it's nice to see. Uh, the different venues with like with proper fan support, you know, the playoffs bring out bring out the, the, the crowds. So it's it's nice to see th- those games. And, and you know, MLS is a playoff league. Any anybody that 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 pretends otherwise is missing the point. It, it has been and will always be a, a playoff centric league. Uh, and they really bring out the faff and the fanfare for the playoffs. So. Oh, I think uh, I think our guy Jeffrey Pinasker might have froze. Um, well, there will be, regardless of who wins, Philadelphia or LAFC, there will be a new champion crown because none of these teams have won the MLS Cup before. Jeff, I think we got you back. You there? Sound check? 
Uh, I think he froze again. No. All good. Yeah, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> well. Okay. So just quickly, just moving on. Um, I'm sad Jeff isn't here actually right now because I wanted to talk about Toronto FC's. Oh, we got Jeff. Yeah, yeah, I'm back. All right, cool. So we have a question cool. I want to ask. Do you want me to leave? Because no, no, sure, you're good. Sure. You're back. So okay, okay. Obviously, with TFC fans, they're all wondering what the heck's going to happen in mm-hmm. free agency. And I think can we go the through the dates, the important dates to remember? Uh, sure. If you want to give that a quick rundown. Sure. So November 7th to November 9th is the 48-hour trade window. The expansion draft is November the 11th. Uh, the reentry process begins with stage one on the 17th of November. Stage two begins on November the 22nd. And on the 16th, right before that, MLS free agency begins. Now, I have a feeling I know what question you're going to ask me, so so go ahead. Yeah. No, seriously, and all this is going to be happening like while the World Cup is going on. Uh, <laughs> so probably not going to get the most amount of coverage. Fixture congestion. We will, Yeehaw. We will do our best. Uh, what I want to ask you just quickly is mm-hmm. we all know that TFC want to shore up their spine. Now, uh, one of these guys is not technically a free agent, but he is available. But the biggest names on sort of the market is... New York City FC goalkeeper Sean Johnson, New York Red Bulls defender mm-hmm. center back Aaron Long, and then up top Joseph Martinez, who, as we know, is not mm-hmm. going to be going back to Atlanta United next season, though he still is under contract for one year. In a dream scenario, Jeff, I throw it to you. If you were mm-hmm. to pick one of these three guys to join Toronto FC in the offseason, Aaron Long. who would it be and why? Aaron Long with bells on. Uh, because he is an, a Drew Moorish kind of dude, and we've succeeded with Drew Moorish kind of dudes. Uh, I, even though NYCFC are out of the are out of the competition, I can't see Sean Johnson leaving that team. Uh, and I discussed this with Newell last week. Um, unless we're willing to offer him a DP slot. Uh, we'd be competing with any other team that's going to go Max Tam on him, right? He's making what, like 300k less than Max Tam on his current deal with NYCFC. No, he's making 550. He made less than Alex Bono last year. Oh wow. Um, okay, so we'll be con- like, he's going to get an offer in and around Max Tam from just I disagree. about any team in MLS you disagree you think his next step is a hundred is is a million dollars as opposed to a mil six yeah I'd say somewhere around 750 um while he's been a fantastic goalkeeper he's also 33 years old right and I think he was really motivated by the world cup this year and I'm not saying Mm -hmm. he won't be motivated moving forward but uh, you know I know goalkeepers go on they have longer careers but committing a lot of a lot of money to a guy like Sean Johnson who's 33 going to be 34 in May that's a that's a risk so I'm not sure that market is going to be able yeah. to throw over a million at Sean Johnson I think they're around 750 that's fair that's that's fair um but do, would we be willing to spend 750 on a 33 year old goalkeeper 
like you said, that may come off this season of of real motivation to a season where he maybe doesn't give as much of a crap next year. Yeah, I mean, that's especially considering question, right? our goalkeeper woes, especially considering how much money we've we, we've shipped out to underperforming goalkeepers over the last couple seasons. Exactly. To me, I I, um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's I don't even know if it's worth the the overture, right? And and uh, you know I'll say this for Joseph, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. He's a shadow. I mean, there's a reason that he's that his stock has fallen so low with Atlanta United over the last couple of seasons. One, he hasn't been the same player since his injury. He's consistently getting re-injured, and his relationship with the front office deteriorated to dust. Who does that remind you of, Mikey Singh? <laughs> I mean, we 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 just shed that albatross of a deal. Why would we get into a situation where we're now giving money to somebody to rediscover prior form uh, on our dime? Absolutely not. Without question, absolutely not. Joseph Martinez is not the only number nine in the world. There are plenty of other number nines, including potentially the next Joseph Martinez, if our scouting department does their job. So I, for me, it's, it's insanely no, absolutely no, like screaming. No, absolutely not. Don't touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. I mean, we've had our Joseph Martinez. We don't want another one this quickly. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no, just my, my, the sing, the short answer is no. Aaron long He's probably one of is, is a viable yeah. opportunity. Um, depending on, Yeah, and that's and that's what gives me pause um, because there's so For many sure. other moving parts with respect to our this next step of our of our roster rebuild. Um, you know, is he? If it was Walker Zimmerman, and even now Walker Zimmerman's maybe on a bit of an off year, but like if it was you know ideal Walker Zimmerman, that's a that's a center back that that to me you may want to dangle that that DP carrot, uh, but Aaron Long. Nah, nah. Uh, certainly, certainly make an overture, put some money out there, see see what the interest is. Um, but, you know, here's the question. Do you think Aaron Long is the guy? Like if TFC gets Aaron Long, does it immediately make our defense uh, that much better? You know, I think can you would. say that with any sort of assurity? I think, I mean, I think, I think it... anything would help right now. Like putting, putting me and you in there in a, in a, in a, in a two person sweater might, might help the defensive woes, but, but yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't know. I just, you know, it's, it, is it a slam dunk or not? I mean, I don't, I don't know. So yeah, the thing is be cautious. I want to add on that front is I don't believe TFC will go out and, and make a splash like this within MLS. Uh, they just don't mm-hmm. have that much money to play with where they're throwing out deals like max Tam deals or, yeah, you know, yeah, significant amount of, of, of money on one player. What they want to do is, yeah, again, we keep talking about this like 2016 is sort of spread it out and bring in veterans who are relatively cheap. Like Drew Moore was relatively cheap considering what the role that he played for TFC, a starter who was making what less than sure. 500k. Same with, ben yeah. Same yeah thing. let let the other teams in mls blow their brains out on on the sean johnson's and the aaron longs and the joseph martin it speaks you know there, there's a part of me that that wants to dismiss all of this as like well they're not you know they're what why are they not being renewed with their sides 
you know, what, why, why are there, why are there present clubs even considering moving on from them? Should that sh- like, sh- like light a pal over their, their desirability with the rest of the teams in MLS? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, why, why should we get 100% excited over, over guys that aren't for whatever reason, getting, staying with their, with their club sides. Right. And, you know, well, with think, Joseph, it, that's an easy that thing. Stems, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that stems from is that we can all see that TFC need more MLS level ready players and good MLS mm-hmm. players who are capable of slotting in and, and playing in Toronto FC. And that's, that's the catch 22. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. Yeah, it I does do believe from that. Have to be But do you want to pay top dollar? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think they're going to have to discover yeah. the, the next yeah. one, right? Um, so I wouldn't yeah. expect yeah. too many of those big name splashes to be coming to TFC. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they can work out a deal with a We're guy at- like Sean Johnson. Yeah, I mean... What again? Then you've got to wonder why. Why does he want to listen? Graham saying Johnson probably doesn't want to play in a baseball stadium for the last contract of his career. There's merit to that, but does he want to come to a club in the midst of a very aggressive rebuild? That uh, oh, here are the porn again. I can't. I can't turn them off. I have no power. Uh, that's on, that's on you. Yay. I uh, uh, yeah. I. I, I mean. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you're right. We'll see. Yeah, you we want to explore your options in MLS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, for me, I'd like to see. That. I'd like to see TFC splash some cash in the goalkeeper position. I really think TFC should. They be need to solidify it, right? Pursuing. Yeah, I think. I think they need to go to Europe uh, to some really big teams and try and pry their second or third string keeper away from them. Guys that are getting regular, not irregular minutes or, or only playing in domestic cup competitions that are hungry. Mm-mm. I'm back. I think. <laughs> the internet's not, not, not doing great. For I you, think but... I'm back. I have no idea what's going on. If that's me or you or whatever the case may be, but internet You're is back. garbage today for both of us. eh? Yeah, seriously. Um, okay, last thing. Let's just wrap this show up. But last thing I need we need to touch on is a is still of your face, which is very fun for everyone. Or if I'm just like stuck in limbo. I think Jeff is having some <laughs> serious apologies for the technical difficulties, everyone. Um, okay, I'll just wrap this show up. Just last thing I want to touch on is Lionel Messi. Uh, the rumors that came out today, the report from The Athletic that says Inter-Miami do believe that they will be signing Lionel Messi in June, which is absolutely absurd to think about, right? Who would have thought that Lionel Messi would find a way to, or Inter-Miami would find a way to land Lionel Messi with the form that he's in right now? You would think that he still has a couple years that he can he can play in Europe you could think that there is still a possibility that he can perform at the highest level. But yet here is Inter-Miami being linked to to Messi, which I think is, I mean, we've all heard the rumors for years about this being a possibility. But the fact that it seems like it's pretty close to happening is is really surreal. And I think Messi moving to Inter-Miami which I do believe is realistic, by the way. I do believe that there is a real possibility that that. Oh yeah! Happen. Oh yeah! Yeah, there's there's language in his deal with uh, with PSG that includes that that uh, stipulation. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, even beyond his deal, because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, I think that would, mm-hmm. I mean, what that would do for Major League Soccer would be absolutely incredible. Um, Monstrous. And incredible. Selfishly. Incredible. Selfishly, it's a move that I want to see. I want to see it happen because Me too. I want to watch Messi and MLS. I want to cover him. I want to, you know, 100%. chat with him. I want to do every, like, whatever it is. I want to see Messi in Major I want to be his best friend. But, Let's go out for beers yeah. with Lionel Messi, for sure. For sure. Exactly. But realistically, <laughs> I think yep. the best move for his career would be probably be to go back to barcelona um because he's playing so well right now or re-sign with psg because this guy is not washed yet and no offense to mls but i think Lionel messi has the potential to walk into major league soccer when he is washed um so we'll see kind of how that plays out but just jeff just your overall thoughts about um, well, I mean, the 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 caveat here is the is what we'll call the the Gareth Bale conundrum, right? What if you come to MLS and the expectation is is that you're going to kick ass and take names, and you don't? You know, will Messi's legacy survive that? You know, the expect if you ask ten people, okay. ten out of ten would say Messi's going to come here and kick. Ass. Well, the, I mean, nine out of ten or eight out of ten said the same about Gareth Bale. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go Lorenzo, but a hundred out of a hundred TFC fans would have said the same thing about Lorenzo. Uh, I, I just, you know, if anybody's concerned about, you know, the, the way that their legacy gets seen, it's elite players such as this, as they enter the twilight of their careers, they don't want to do anything to besmirch what came before it. You know, someone's doing that calculus like mls is incredibly there it, it's you know technically it's well behind the eight ball in terms of the bigger leagues in the world but physically you hear it from a lot of players that come across the pond that they weren't expecting right. how physical and how little time they'd have on the ball in mls that could be messy kryptonite right and well, and i don't things. i think the last thing the league wants is is Lionel messi showing up to inter miami and laying a, a turd you know what i mean like I don't know. I, I I don't know how they would spin that, right? Like, well, good. Look, our our league. Diego Fagundes is so good, guys, that that he he undid Lionel Messi, right? Like, the, you know, I can't even see that article in the mothership. So yeah. <laughs> well, two things. Mm-hmm. One, it's Messi. Like, we're not talking about Insigne. We're not mm-hmm. talking about Gareth Bale. Like, we're talking about Lionel Messi, who is in yeah, an yeah. Inc- is in incredible form right now. Right, heading into this World Cup, like this is a different stature of player. If Messi comes and doesn't perform in MLS, I don't think it's Messi's fault. <laughs> I think it'll probably be the players mm-hmm. around Messi. Um, second thing is mm-hmm. his legacy will never be tarnished. At this point, he's playing with house money. Like it could be yeah. tarnished for a scandal, like maybe that regard. But in terms of what he's accomplished, you can't take that away from him. I think regardless of what happens between now and the end of his career, he will go down as one of, if not the greatest footballer of all time. This isn't Gary. Of all though. time. This is a, yeah. a different different yeah. conversation. So I don't I think feel you. I feel you, but just imagine the the bad vibes if 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 it doesn't work out at Inter Miami. Great you know content. What I mean? That's like, what that's I'm just, seeing. Yeah. I see great content. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. I'll leave I'll leave that to your purview. Um but yeah, no, I mean if he wants to come to Inter Miami uh you know why don't we tell him about how hot the summers are in toronto and try and and try and turn him 
that way. I like it. Forget about Miami. It gets really hot in Toronto in the summertime. Um, Yeah, I I mean, who knows what Messi's going to make if he comes to Inter-Miami. Who knows how the deal will get structured. Uh, Who knows what kind of... Yeah, I I mean, I know MLS has said they don't want to do that again, but this is Lionel Messi. All bets are off. Um, I know MLS penalized Inter-Miami for, shall we say, creatively structuring deals. I can't imagine they're going to be too upset about how creative a deal is structured that brings Lionel Messi to their league. Uh, you know, this is this is a very different situation than the Insignes or the Bales of the world, which which Mike has said so eloquently. So, yeah, um, bring it on. Bring it on, man. If he wants to come here, let, let you know, who are we to say? Who are we to say no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yes. Ten times out of ten. It's just a matter of whether or not yeah. he will. But mm-hmm. anyways, that it's going to wrap up our show we appreciate everybody yeah. for holding, holding up with us as the internet was terrible i'm gonna call bell and scream at them after i get off after i get off this uh <laughs> this show so yeah yeah so as, as i mentioned we're gonna have we're gonna dive into a lot more canadian men's national team talk between now and the world cup and obviously as the world cup goes on uh, we'll sprinkle in some tfc as well because obviously we're a tfc based show and we like chat i didn't get to ask you my 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 super TFC question actually, because you missed the WTR award roundup uh, last week. Okay. Uh, quickly. What your, was your super TFC yeah. question? The curious case of the missing Lorenzo Insigne in all, in almost all of the awards, right from goal celebration to favorite newcomer to favorite TFC player. Berna ran roughshod with all of those awards from, from yeah, the I- staffers selections to the vote, the actual poll, to the comments after the fact, absolutely nobody in any way, shape, or form uh, defended or or brought up Insigne's rather uh, 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 suspect absence from from those from those awards. And I just wonder what your thoughts well, on that are. Yeah, I think two things. Well, one, Bernadeschi is the most likable person in the world. <laughs> up for debate. I mean, you see yeah, yeah, and it's not up for debate. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing, mm-hmm. right? And I think he's clearly become a, a fan favorite here in Toronto. Uh, he puts himself out there a lot more. And B, I also think it, it's a little bit hipster too, and people like to be hipster, right? That's Especially what I said. That's what I said. I said it's the hipster pick. Um, but you, I mean, as a former managing editor, you're aware of the fanfare that that surrounded Insigne's arrival and you're aware of the lifers on that site that are like Italian anything. So the fact that we got no blowback was interesting. I'm not going to say surprising because I I didn't vote for him in any of those categories. So I mean I can't surprise myself, but like it it was interesting to see and and it you know Mike and I were discussing this a lot over last week. Moving forward, do you think that means that TFC is going to go with the hot hands and and see much more of the responsibility of being the sort of face of the team to Bernadeschi because that's what's working and and ignore you know the the Il Magnifico faff and and do you, and further to that do you think that this is a blessing in disguise because from what we've seen you know Bernadeschi is far more willing to be that face than it looks like Lorenzo Insigne ever was if there was anything that that struck you as making him uncomfortable. It was those public appearances. That could be the language barrier. It could be his personality. But, you know, what what are your thoughts on this? Like, do, obviously, 
the smart play is TFC embraces what they've got in in the most likable man on the planet and just rolls with the with the Bernadeschi. But do you think that that's a good or a bad thing for Lorenzo? Well, I think it's a. I think TFC should do both, right? Hmm. Um, Lorenzo's still il magnifico. I think he has yet to show the best side of Lorenzo, um, and I think he is for sure a better, a way better footballer than Bernardeschi, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I still mm-hmm. think he is the guy on this team from a footballing perspective. Um, and from just an overall marketing standpoint, people know the name Lorenzo Insigne a lot more than, than Federico Bernardeschi. Beyond well, give him time. Right? Give him time, well, man. Beyond Toronto <laughs> is what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, talking yeah. Overseas yeah, yeah. and everything like that, mm-hmm. right? So there is that aspect of, of marketing. Um, now, look, like Bernardeschi, yeah. First time I met Bernardeschi, I said this guy's going to be a lot more personable. But I don't want it to make it seem like Lorenzo Insigne wasn't. Right, because mm-hmm. Lorenzo went mm-hmm. through a lot personally uh, during had a hell of a year, stretch. man. Yeah, it, right. His stretch here in last two three months in Toronto, um, so obviously that puts a damper on a lot of things. And when he did talk to us, like he was more than willing. There was the language barrier, mm-hmm. which I think is a huge factor. Um, but Absolutely, he, yeah. You know, they're different people. Like no one, yeah. If you, if you're setting the bar at Bernadeschi, everybody is going to to fall short Fail. of that, including one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Right, so that's my my thought of it, and I think uh, next season I think TFC should market both players heavily, which I think they they do a good job of. Um, but I think they can do Bernadeschi a little bit more when it comes to uh, him being one of the faces of this team. Beautiful, amazing! Right. Come on, cool. love it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good impression, man. That was a pretty good impression. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. All right. Well, guys, like I said, thank you so much for bearing with us. Um, <laughs> maybe don't rate the podcast after listening to to this edition of the podcast but if you're feeling generous you want to give us a five-star rating please feel free mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's not our fault our internet is garbage today yeah <laughs> yeah we'll be back like i said we'll talk about a lot more uh different things tfc canada soccer uh, a lot to dive into but we appreciate everyone like once again their patience and everything on today's episode jeff any closing remarks uh, I don't want my, I, I got to save them for my, for my bell call. I, you know, I have a all lot right. of thoughts, but they're all about my internet. Yeah. Keep, keep those thoughts, uh, vented in, but mm-hmm. we'll see you guys next week until next time. Guys. Pleasure, Mike. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.